Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain or the veil in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the Son of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord. We give you all the glory and the honor, Father. We know that you have an awesome and amazing word for us tonight, God. And I pray that you would continue to speak to us, Lord, and that you would just move us, Lord, in whatever direction you want us to move to, Lord. We thank you for your word, Jesus. Amen. And amen. So today I want to talk to you about the power of, of his death and what that means for us. And I know that sometimes, you know, a lot of times we talk about the power in his resurrection and how beautiful that is. And yes, Jesus is alive. Amen. But the power in his death, I just, I just have this, this, uh, this, this, sort of, this sort of pull from God to talk about what it means for us for him to die on the cross. Just that moment of death, what that means for us. That, I always had trouble when the Bible says to remember his death, to remember what he did for us on the cross. I always had trouble with that. And, and, and reading these passages this week and actually even before atmosphere, to be honest, uh, reading these passages, it really, it really shocked me to see what happened in the moment where Jesus was dying and Jesus died. I mean, there were some powerful, supernatural things that happened in the moment of his death. Now, we all know, we all know and believe that Jesus, he died, he was buried and he was resurrected. But every part of his death and burial and resurrection has implications to our own spiritual life. And so his death is very, is very powerful to our own lives, also his burial and also his resurrection. Today I want to look at his death and in that moment, that moment of suffering and that moment where he releases his spirit and what happens and what that has to do with us today in this time for us. Amen? So the Bible says that around uh, noon, darkness fell across the whole land. So at noon, there was darkness. Darkness, like if you see outside right now, what time is it? Nine something. But it was noon. It was, to, I don't know about you, but right then and there, I'm out. I don't want to be around no cross, no Jesus, nothing. I want to leave because it's scary. You imagine at noon, this is like no one moved. No one thought this was weird or awkward. It's noon, but it's dark. Something is happening in the heavens. Something is happening in the atmosphere. 
Something is changing, brothers and sisters. And I want you to see sort of the transfer of God's wrath unto Jesus and him bringing all the wrath upon Jesus and what that means for us. So it says that at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And at about three o'clock, three hours later, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me or or why have you abandoned me? You see, in that moment, brothers and sisters, Jesus had taken his our sin upon himself. Our sin was upon the cross, was upon his body, and he felt as if as if God had abandoned him. I don't know about you, but. The thought of Jesus, just that as you know, he was 100 percent human, but and 100 percent God. But just that moment of of humanness, that's even a word him experiencing as if the father had abandoned him. Because, see, he he was taken what we deserved. He, he had upon himself what had happened with us was that. We were orphans. We had no father. We, we were left and, and, and because of the sin, and you know the story. But in this moment, Jesus has taken it on his own self, on his body, to feel that, that the father has abandoned him. And so if there's abandonment on the cross, there's, there's fatherhood for us now. If, if there's abandonment, there's sonship for us now. If, there, if Jesus felt as if God was forsaken him, had forsaken him, not that there was separation between the Father and Jesus. There has never been separation. But in that moment, he just felt the weight of the sin that he was taking from the world. But I want to make something very, very clear. God was still in control. He was still there. He, it was his plan. It wasn't something that was uh, like n- something that worried him or something that he didn't have, that he didn't foresee. This was something that was in his plan. But in that moment, Jesus just felt the weight. Let's, let's say it like this, the weight of the world, the entire world. Now, I want you to think the entire world past, present, and future. Not the entire world in that moment. Because back then, there wasn't as many people as there are today. Boy, is there a lot of people here in California, amen? (laughs) But there wasn't as many people. But what Jesus is doing is he's taking sin of everyone in the past, everyone in his present time, and everyone in the future. And so in that moment, he's feeling what that feels like, that weight of the world. And I mean, this is, this is awesome because he yells it out. And, and you know, the words that he uses, Eli, Eli, Lema Sabachthani, which is, you know, Aramaic for my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, uh, you know, they misunderstood him. They thought he was calling unto the prophet Elijah. Isn't that, isn't that just like the Jews? That they would think, you know, oh, it must be, Elijah must be the one that he needs right now, right? Because Elijah was like a powerful prophet for them. It was like, wow, Elijah, you know? And, but they didn't understand that, wow, the person on the cross right there at that moment was the most powerful being 
in the entire universe. One amen. I'm going to do it again. He was the most powerful being in the entire universe. Amen? All right. Wake up now. Come on. Tomorrow you'll rest. You sleep in tomorrow. Some of us anyway. Um, one of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, man, I just, I, I want you to picture it because it's noon, it's three o'clock, whatever, but it's dark. This man is saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and one of them has the audacity to say, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Oh, my God, that's, that's, that's terrible. They, they were mocking him. They were making fun of him. Anybody ever made fun of you? Maybe it's just me. I was awkward growing up. Uh, this same big head, I still had it when I was a little kid. But I had a, a little kid body. So, you know, kids, they'll tell you the truth, right? They'll tell you straight up, like, man, you got a big head, bro. Right? And they're like, you're like seven, and you're like. <laughs> and then I had to grow into my ears because my ears, were, they look like antennas. And I could hear Europe from here. So if you've ever been made fun of, you know what I'm talking about. Now, some of you are still, you know, like making fun of people, and, and that's all good if you're friends, but, you know, be careful. Um, <laughs> but at this moment, this is more than like making fun of someone. This is kind of like ridicule and mockery. Now, if you've ever been ridiculed and mocked, it's something powerful that hits deep within. It's personal. If someone knows something personal about you, like let's say you're scared of the dark, but it's very personal for you. You're like, man, I need my nightlight, you know? But somebody makes fun of you about it, it hurts. You're like, ouch. Amen? Is this me maybe? Amen. So what, what they were doing here is they were mocking what hurt him deep inside. Okay, let me say it this way. Hi, everyone. Let me say it this way. <laughs> he is the Savior of the world. Amen? He knows it. His disciples kind of know it. The other people don't know it. He is the Savior of the world. And people are telling him, wait, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. D did you get that? Like, it's so, it's, it's the enemy. It's the accuser. He is directly saying, I thought you were the savior. Maybe he needs someone else to save him. So it, it's, it's, it was... It's ridicule. It's mockery. And he's doing it all for us. He's taking all that pain, that, that abandonment feeling, that, 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 uh, that mockery that, that they're saying. Uh, on top of it, on the cross, it said king of the Jews. Right? In like three different languages, king of the Jews. And they're saying, uh, you're the savior. Okay, that's what you say. Let's wait and see if Elijah comes to save you. In other words, you're not, you're not able to save yourself. Maybe someone more powerful than you can save you. And that was, that was a lot. Right after that, 
Jesus shouted again, and he released his spirit. Now, in other, in other gospels, the Bible says that in those moments, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You've heard that before, amen? So, Jesus shouted again in verse 50, and he released his spirit, meaning at that moment, this is where we're going to get into it, he died. He released his spirit, and he passed, okay? Are you with me? And that moment, the Bible says in 51, the curtain or the veil in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rock split, and tombs opened. So four things happened. The, the veil was torn in two, the earth shook, the rock split, and the tombs opened. Now that's powerful for us. So the veil was this thing that separated from the holy place to the holy of holies. So most of you know the veil, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't pass into the holy of holies unless you were the high priest, and you can only do that once a year. Inside the holy of holies, there was, uh, there was the Ark of the Covenant, and that's where God would speak once a year to someone that would bring blood of the sacrifice, and he would sprinkle, listen to that word, sprinkle, the blood over the ark and the sins of the entire nation would be forgiven for that year. And they could only do this once a year. And it was only this little bitty room that they can go into, which was like seven by seven feet, which was like really tiny. The ark is in there. It's just them and the ark and the presence of God once a year. And that's the only time they can go in there. And that's the only time that God visited in, in that place, the Holy of Holies. Let me read you some of the Exodus stuff that I found on the veil. I don't want you to go there. I just want you to listen. For the inside of the tabernacle, he says, make a special curtain of, of linen decorated with blue. I want you to imagine this purple and scarlet thread. This is very beautiful. And with skillfully embroidered cherubim. So, they made this big curtain. It was thick. It was very hard to go through. It wasn't just like an easy, you know, uh, little curtain like that. It was very thick. It had, it had these colors, blue, purple, scarlet. One of my favorite colors is blue, as you can see. Uh, blue, uh, scarlet, and purple. And they had cherubim. They had angels that they embroidered on the veil. This is very, very expensive, very beautiful. And it hung on these gold racks made out of uh, wood and covered in gold. And they would hang the veil or the curtain and, and they would cover up the holy of holies. Amen. And then in the inner, it says, hang the inner curtain from claps and put the Ark of the Covenant in the room behind it. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place or the holy of holies. So there was a separation. Tell your neighbor, separation. The veil, brothers and sisters, the veil was designed to keep you out. Not to keep God in, because God is everywhere. He has always been everywhere. But it was designed to keep men out. And the only time you had entrance was that once a year. So this veil is very important. So at the moment of death, 
I want you to see this. At the moment where Jesus releases his spirit, the first thing, the first thing that happens is the veil is torn. The expensive, beautiful, amazing veil that they, you know, they adored was torn from top to bottom saying, now you can come in. Now you have access. Now you can come in. And this veil was torn from top to bottom. Now, if the, if the people around weren't convinced with the darkness at noon, they weren't convinced with this man saying, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If they weren't convinced yet, the veil tears. Now, not from bottom to the top. From top to bottom. As if God, I don't know what he did. Maybe he just looked at it. And it tore up. Maybe he just put his finger on it and it tore up. Saying, saying, children, children, because of his death, because of the son of man dying, just him releasing his spirit from his body. You have entrance. You are welcomed into the holy of holies. Now, no man can prevent you from going in there. No religion can prevent you from going in there. No doctrine can prevent you from going in there. You have full access because of the blood of Jesus, because of the death of Jesus. You have access to the most holy place. The most holy place. Now, you know, now we don't have to, especially us, we don't have to be in the outer courts. In the, in the portico of Solomon where all the Gentiles would be. We don't have to be all the way out there. You know that they, in the, the temple, only, it was only supposed to be three parts. The outer courts, the holy place, and the holy of holies. By the time Jesus came, they had added so many other parts. For the Gentiles, for the women, for the lepers, for the this and for the that. It was so big. It was so difficult to enter. Now, God could have God caused an earthquake and broken all those buildings down in that moment. From the outside all the way into the inside. But what God was saying, I'm going to go deep. I'm going to go way in there, right in the midst of it, right where they think it's important that only important people, only special people can go in there. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to show them that it's open now because of his death. Now, listen to how powerful just his death, just his death is that powerful. You know, you're powerful when your death changes things. Not the burial or the resurrection. All that is beautiful and all that is amazing. And we're going to talk about it. But just at death, things changed. Because first of all, he wasn't dying. Second of all, they weren't taking his life. He was giving it. And third, he is God. He is God. And I'm going I'm to give you a secret. You probably didn't know this. I'm just going to give it to you because I love you. Okay? God can't die. I don't know if you knew that. Praise the Lord. God can't die. Spurgeon, a famous preacher in like the 16th century. I have a book from him. It's like this fat if you've been to my house. I read half. God, it's so big. 
He was, he had trouble because he came from the Catholic world. And God revealed his grace to this man as well um, as, you know, the ones in the past. And one day he, uh, he, he was just sad. He was a sad guy. And um, wait, wait, was this Spurgeon or was it? No, it was Martin Luther. Excuse me, Martin Luther. And so um, he was really like condemned and guilty one day and like feeling down and telling his wife like, you know what, I'm never, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. This, you know how we feel sometimes like, ah, oh, this Christian stuff, like, you know, church and Mario is loud. And, and he, uh, he was just down on himself and his wife came out from the room and she came out dressed in black, all black. He was like, what are you, what are you doing all dressed in black? Well, you know, the way that you're talking seems like God is dead. So I guess I'm going to God's funeral. And he was like, all right, very funny, right? God can't die. God is alive and he forever will be alive. So the curtain rips. It's torn from top to bottom. Jesus' power is so huge that at his death, there was victory. In his death, there is victory for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Say amen when you have it, please. Amen. Chapter 10, verse 19 through 23. Amen. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I can say that now, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Listen, verse 20, by his death. Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Let me read that again. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Man. He says right there by his death. Where is it at? By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Not only is our inner self sprinkled, the Bible says, with blood, 
but our bodies are washed with water. Amen? That doesn't mean that you took a shower, although that's a good idea. But what it means is, listen, what, they, what the priests had to do is they had to sprinkle blood on themselves to enter into the most holy place, the holy of holies. They had to sprinkle blood. They had to wash their bodies with the water that was available there in the outer courts and the holy place. They would have to put, like, blood on their left ear, their left, I think, toe or something. And, like, all these things that they had to do to enter into the holy of holies. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying there is he's saying, look, because of his death, because of his blood, you have been sprinkled with that blood. Just as the high priests were, you've been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus and your bodies have been washed. In other words, there is no other thing that you have to do to enter into the holy of holies. The question is, are we, are, are we going in there as we should maybe on a daily basis? Amen? That's, that's the question. Like, God... You know, Jesus at his death, the reason that he did that for us is so that we can we can have access daily. That, that we can go. What did they do in the in the Holy of Holies? They talked to God. They they asked for forgiveness for the entire nation for that year. God forgives us. God does it all for us. And all he wants us to do is to enter into the Holy of Holies. Now, how do I do that? Sometimes. You know, like sometimes when you when you go to church or when you come to church, I should say, or you're at home, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like you don't feel like it at times. You're like, kind of feel like worshiping, but I don't. And like, it's almost like a battle. Have you, is it just me maybe? It's almost like you're, you're wrestling and it's like, oh, you know, like, I'm not feeling it all the way. Like, uh, Johnny's directing and like, oh my gosh. Just kidding, Johnny, you're awesome. And, you know, it's like, but it's, it's not Johnny, it's you, right? You're, like, going through it, and it's like, what do I do? I'm not feeling this, and, like, ah, like, you know, and, and, like, you're just like, I'm not feeling it. In that moment, it's okay to, to sit down and pray and say, Lord, God, Jesus, somebody, Holy Spirit, this is how I feel right now. I, I feel like, um, like, like, like my access to you is, is being interrupted. And, and I want you to, to, to speak to me right now. And that's okay. That's okay to do that. It's better to do that than to, you know, try with your strength. I don't know if you've ever tried and you're like trying, right? But it's just not connecting because... You're trying with your strength. So it's okay to, to remember this, that, that Jesus, he, he died and the veil was torn. And just sit there and say, Lord, I know I have access. I don't know why I'm not feeling it right now. But you know what, God? I know that you're here. My brothers and sisters are here. Or I'm in the car, Lord. It doesn't matter, God, how I feel. I know you're with me. And eventually, you start to move in. In and in deeper and in deeper. And sometimes when people are directing up here, they're like, let's go in deeper. And you're like, do I go to the front? Or what they're saying, what they're saying is 
let's, let's get closer to him. Let, let's, let's become aware of how close we are to him, that he lives in us and we are hidden in Christ. And let's, let's just put our awareness, let's turn our heart towards him. I was, telling, uh, I was telling some leaders the other day that I was talking to them and I, and I was telling them it's hard to, to talk with people and, and lead as, as a church, as a pastor, from brain to brain. Like, like you, because you have your own brain, <laughs> right? Amen. And I have my own brain, and we might have different ideas. So if we talk brain to brain, we might not agree on everything. But if we talk heart to heart, we have Jesus in there. And now things are, are talked out of love and relationship, out of connection and community and brotherhood and sisterhood, because we're talking heart to heart. As long as our heart isn't hurt, you know, as long as we don't have bitterness and we don't have things like that, we're, we're like, we're pure and we're coming. And that's when we come to God like that, we come just heart, just our heart is beating towards his. Instead of thinking about it so much and having all this knowledge in our brain, it's just like heart and it's just like presence and connection. And that's what God wants. That's, that's exactly what he was doing at his death. He was saying, look, you don't need these methods anymore. You don't, need, you don't need to wash. You don't need to walk. You don't need to be sprinkled. You don't need to go through the veil. You don't, need to, you, don't need, you don't even need the Ark of the Covenant. You don't need it. Because the, the presence now lives in you. The veil has been torn. You can go in now. Now, at his death, there's other things that happened that I want to talk to you about. But, man, just that part alone... We should, we should celebrate that the veil has been torn from top to bottom, and we can go in at any time. Amen? Let's go in. Brothers and sisters, look. Let's go in Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, especially if there's Bible study, Thursday, Friday for service, especially if it's, uh, you know, women's service, every service, Spanish service. Amen? In the car. Let's go in. Are you going into the Holy of Holies? Amen? Because the Holy of Holies now is in you. So you got to turn your awareness to that. And, and that's how you're going to keep moving with God. Amen? So he says, uh, blood and water, you know, sacrifice and cleansing. And, you know, all of the stuff that the Jews would do. Obviously, we're reading from the book called Hebrews. So he's explaining to them, look, you don't need to do all that stuff. It, it has already been done. Amen? All right, let's keep reading here. Um, uh, back to Matthew, please. Matthew 27. Jeez. Amen. When you have it, 2745. And uh, God is good. And uh, are we having a good time tonight? Are we blessed? Blessed by God, amen. Verse 50, then Jesus shouted again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. Right there, we should be done. That's it, I'm done, Lord, like I'm good. From top to bottom, the earth shook. Rocks split apart. At the moment of his death, brothers and sisters, this earth shaking and rock splitting to me is like God is saying, look, all the stony hearts 
are about to change. There is about to be transformation in my people because of his death. And tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. Okay, I am done. Now, talk about supernatural activity for goodness sake. He dies. First of all, there's darkness as he's dying. As if God is saying, look, right now, darkness needs to think they're winning. It needs to invade for just two minutes here. Actually, three hours, but... Whatever. Then Jesus says, God, why have you abandoned me? He shouts again. He releases his spirit. The curtain is torn. So if you're not at the cross, you're going to know if you're over there, hey, something just happened in here. Then the earth shakes. An earthquake. The rocks split apart. And the tombs open. Now, at his death, <laughs> at his death, there was life. At his death, life was released. In other versions, I love what it says because it says, the saints of times past were risen. The tombs were opened. You see, the death of Jesus, there's glory in it. Because God knew. God wasn't scared. Uh-oh, he died. No, God was like, yes, let's go. That's step one, done. There was step two, burial. Step three, whoa, resurrection. Surprise, everyone. But see, at his death, there is power released. The, tor- the veil is torn. There's earthquake. The-, the rocks are breaking. There's shifting going on. You know, when the earth shakes, something's moving. Amen? I don't know if you felt an earthquake here in California once or twice. I have. It starts to shake. There's shifting. There's movement. Jesus is dying. But at the same time, there is a movement that is starting. There is a movement that is being birthed through his death. So much so that the tombs are opened. Amen. The tombs open up. At that moment, if I'm a Pharisee, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm just saying, I hope that would be me. If I'm a Roman soldier, I'm definitely giving my life to Jesus. Because I'm looking at this. They're in a high mountain, the earth is shaking. The tombs are being opened all around them. At his death, life was released. You see, because everything that happened to Jesus, the opposite happened to the world. When he felt abandoned, God was saying, they're no longer orphans. When the veil was torn, he was saying, come in. He was saying, go inside. No longer there's this process. When Jesus releases his spirit and the tombs open because he died, life was released again. It was like God was saying, look, we're going to take this back to how things used to be. 
So for you and I, what does that mean? What does that mean for you and I? That's, that's awesome. It would look good in a movie, and I love it. But what does that mean for you and I? That means that the spirit of life that lives in you, that lives in you because of his death, you can bring life now to situations. You can bring life now to people that are going through struggle, through tough times. You can bring life now. The tombs will open when you speak. In the name of Jesus, the tombs will open when you speak. Do you believe that? I want to see that. I want to see people being resurrected. Why not? Because we're in the U.S. and not in Africa. Why can't we see that? We can see that. We can go after those things. We can be the weirdos at funerals talking about, get up. And Je hopefully you don't get insulted if I do that one day. You know, get up. I, I knew a, a man of God that, that came to, to the old church that I used to go to, and um, he said that he did that at a funeral one time, and nothing happened. And that, you know, people were like, wow weird but he just felt it in his heart to do it and he was him and his wife like get up in jesus name nothing happened right so he was like man like i really want that stuff to happen there's a, a powerful man of god like he you know he was very powerful in the spirit and uh he said he turned around and and uh he said you know um he didn't get up <laughs> and uh you know but 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 god He's, he has him, you know, like, and he, uh, he wants you to, God wants to have you too kind of thing. And he evangelized, and a lot of people gave, gave their life to Jesus that day. But I think that, that we, have, we have the ability to pray for people that can receive life, like literal life. Amen? The tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. Listen to this. This, oh my gosh. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. Oh boy. Now, here's Jesus. You know, he dies. This is a little bit about his resurrection, but he dies. The tombs are open. As soon as Jesus resurrects, they walk out too. It was like if Jesus was coming out with trophies of his victory. Amen? And they, these, these people, they go out and they appear to their relatives. It says in other versions, they appear to their relatives. Uh, hello? Like somebody that you knew comes and says, hey. Hi, who won the Super Bowl last year? <laughs> and you're like, oh, man, the cheating Patriots did. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Amen. All right, no? Um, but you know, you know, like, this is the power of his death and resurrection. He leaves the cemetery. Jesus, you know, leaves, and these people leave too, and they're appearing to many people. What do you think they're saying? What, what, what have they seen? What, what testimony do they bring to the people? They know Jesus now. 
The Roman off I'm almost done. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. I would too. And they said, this man was the son of God. Did you know, um, just, um, did you know that, um, that after his resurrection and all that stuff that happened, that the, bless you, that the Pharisees said, you know what, um, why don't we say that, that the disciples stole his body and we'll pay you to the guards, like we'll pay you. Let's say that um, the disciples stole his body so that we don't have like another, you know, like revolution kind of thing. And as I read that, because you could read that as, as the chapter goes in, into the next chapter as well. As I read that, I thought, man, they still didn't believe. I'm like, you know, it's almost like I'm on a high horse because I believe already. But it's just shocking to me that still, think about it. The veil was torn. The earth shook. The tombs were opened. People left their tombs. They were visiting with relatives. Jesus was resurrected. The guards saw him. The Romans saw him. And they still said, no, 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 let's just say that the disciples stole his body. In other words, if we're going to stand in front of people that might not believe us. They might not believe that Jesus is alive. But your job is not to convince with brain to brain, but to preach the gospel from God's heart to theirs. And as God opens their heart like he opened the tombs, he will bring life into them. So when you want to talk to somebody about Jesus, don't be afraid of rejection. Because even in that moment that they said, no, this, let's not say that that happened, they were rejecting him still. Don't be afraid of rejection. Just go up to people to love them, to love them. If they reject that, then move on and bless them. Pray for them in your private time and go on to the next person that God will open their heart like he opened those tombs and you can speak life into those people. Do that as much as you can. Go, my, I know my wife has been going. She's not working right now, so she's going during the week for her walk. And she's going to talk to people. She did it this week again. She talked to a couple people. I'm not going to give it away because I'm sure she wants to tell you about it. Blessing people. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with saying, hey, I want to bless your business. Walk into a business and say, can I bless your business? Can I pray for you? Go in there. Why? Because at his death, he gave you the ability to release this power. Because you believe, brothers and sisters. And you can say, hey, come to church with me. Come, like... Trust me, you're going to receive so much from the Lord. Because at his death, just at his death, there's victory. And I want to talk about his burial. What he did during his burial is incredible. Some of you know it. He preached the gospel. He went down to hell and he preached. At his burial, something amazing happened as well. And of course, at his resurrection. It's what we celebrate now, amen? And why we live and why we worship. But just at his death, that's what happened, and that's how it implies to us. So go out. Go out and release life. Amen? Will we do it? Amen? Let's go out and release life. The tombs are open. They're ready. The, the harvest is there. Just go. Release it. Amen? Let's pray.